Great things are not done by impulse, but by a series of small things brought together. And great things are not something accidental, but must certainly be willed. Vincent Van Gogh. You see how we've done, been through stuff, and you see our resilience, and then the play ends with like, you know, what are we actually going to do about it? Welcome to the Breaking Bias Podcast, the show where we explore the stories and experiences of people from all walks of life. We are on a mission to inspire new thoughts and dialogue in an effort to challenge bias and cultivate connection. I'm your host, Heather, and joining the conversation today is Kevo. Kevo is an artist spanning several mediums, including paint, literature, performance art, and tattooing, to just name a few. His life journey is as varied as his art and includes drug dealing, being involved in shootings, and going to prison on his way to becoming an entrepreneur and having the mayor of Houston name a day after him in his honor. Kevo, I can't wait to dig deeper into this story. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate you so much and I'm glad to be here. Um, So I always start with your your baseline. So your origin story is what I like to call it. So your youth and what that looked like and how it shaped. So I would love you to tell us a bit more about how it all began. So starting with, you know, impactful life events that shaped you early in life. Yeah. Yeah, I get get that a lot because a lot of people want to talk about my past. You know, I I understand it. it, It's what built me. But um, like for me, I, I do so much that to think back that far and to think about all the stuff I've been through, it's easier for me to talk about new stuff, but <laughs> here it goes. You know, um, I was uh, basically raised by my my aunt, my real aunt, uh, my mom's sister. My mom is American. My dad is Nigerian. I met my parents um, closer to becoming a teenager. So like in between 10 and 12. So I didn't actually have, quote unquote, parents growing up. Um, after high school, um, well, during high school, I was basically selling crack. That's what we did in where I was from. And I ended up getting into a lot of street related altercations. I ended up getting shot. I ended up getting stabbed and also ended up going to jail for an aggravated robbery that was dropped to a misdemeanor assault. When I got out of jail, that's when I was more involved in the arts so my success of the arts now has stemmed from all of the shit that i've been through back then um i attribute a lot of i would say uh the the word i would use is hustle um from those days but now i'm more of a i'm more focused on art than than ever you know so yeah i've been through a lot of stuff yeah i've been through things that can people associate with especially people from my background but it's not what I've been through that I look at alone. I look at not only did I go through this, you know what I'm saying? I also added all this other stuff on top. I have two degrees. I am a father. I am a soon to be husband. I am a um, leader. Um, I'm a professor. I'm a stage play producer and I own my own art studio. So I pride myself on the merit, you know what I mean? The, The education, the arts, more than I pride myself on being some street guy. 
Well, and I, and I appreciate you sharing that and being vulnerable. And I'm sure it is something that everybody wants to talk about, right? And from the perspective of this show, it's not uh, to look at it from a sense of pride. It's not to hone in on it and make that your only identity. Really, it's the goal is, is that if people hear that part of you, what I find is that they'll often shut off and forget the entire other side of you. So the goal yeah. is to highlight both and to understand mm -hmm. that you are a whole fucking person that has both sides and is capable of both sides. And also for anyone listening that maybe is in a hole or going down a hole to kind of highlight the fact that, hey, you got choices you can make. You can make yeah, a different that's, one. That's my that's that's like how I live now, especially in terms of being an inspiration. I want I want to focus on the idea of change because people I know from the past or when I, that I knew when I was younger, they would have this negative negative connotation towards change. They looked at change as like a bad thing. I like, oh, you changed or oh, you switched up. It's like, nah, I'm growing. You know what I mean? Like this is I don't want to die a OG. <laughs> That's not my goal in life to be, you know, known as oh man, you was this badass street guy. I am more passionate about art than I am selling crack. You know what I'm saying? So that was a survival thing. That was a product of the environment thing. This is a, a thing that, a potential thing. And so many youngsters, so many people from where I'm from are so talented or so smart that they highlight their childhood as like, you know, I could have been this and I'm not living like that. Like I'm being who I want to be. Yes, absolutely. And I always think that that's a strange thing. And I'm thinking back to, you know, when I was younger, I feel like that's a common thing is people are like, oh, you change. Isn't that the point? Isn't isn't evolution in life growth? Isn't that the point? But no, I think some people are just and, and I should say some people, I think probably a lot of people are very comfortable staying where they are. And they're not comfortable with your growth, because that kind of puts pressure on them. To be like, well, yeah, they, yeah, they, they're basically projecting a, a, a form of hate. When you, I, I've read, you know, so much books and learned so much and done so much research that I've forgotten some of the stuff I learned. You know what I mean? But within forgetting some of that, you do remember tidbits and whatnot. So there are times where I read that 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 you know you gotta look out for this because this is gonna be people's hatred of where they are in life projecting it on you, like. You know, we're from the same neighborhood. You know, you you you've been in shootouts. I've been in shootouts. You've been shot. I've been shot. You know, how come I I didn't go open my own business? You know what I mean? And really, that's just a a, a thing they're reflecting on themselves. Like, man, I couldn't do it, so you can't. It's even something that I got when I was doing my last play. I did a Vincent Van Gogh play, and I felt like some of the hate that I was getting for that play was attributed to people thinking they can't do something. Because one of my main comments was, how can you do Vincent Van Gogh? You're black. And it's like, who else is going to do it? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, nobody else can do it except me. You know, that's how I felt. Like, nobody can... I don't know anybody that can act and paint or act and paint at the same time or finish a painting fast enough to do a play. So maybe I'm the only person in the world qualified to do this. So... When people were saying stuff like that, it was like, it's crazy that your brain thinks I can't do this, like, because I'm black. Like, it's crazy that you don't know that in my brain, I'm one of the best artists in the world, you know, that has ever lived. So it's like, it's just, hate is also like a form of projection. For sure. Yeah. And that, 
that question is kind of funny to me. What thing, what makes you think you can do that? What makes you think that you shouldn't do that? If, <laughs> exactly. if you can, if you have yeah. the capacity, why does someone get to say you don't? And you know, you mentioned it too, it, um, this idea of kind of just rearranging your hustle. I'm, I'm improvising words here because that's not exactly what you said, but you found a better way or a different way that is better mm-hmm. for you to maintain that entrepreneurial hustle that you yeah, have. It's more fulfilling. It's more yeah. fulfilling. You know what I mean? It's not when you when you're when your hero is a rapper, you know, you growing up, you're 12 years old, you are selling drugs, you you getting you getting in fights and stuff. You know, sometimes you just got the wrong hero. Man, and I'm not saying that there's something wrong with that rapper that, but sometimes, man, it's because that's all you know. It took for me to learn about these other individuals, uh, war philosophers, uh, you know, um, different leaders to, to actually learn about people, scholars, you know, to say, oh, there's 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 somebody else to look at. Um, so it's so much, you know, like I said, I've re- I read so much that it's sometimes you forget things, but it took it took a lot of exposure to different things to help me get to where I am. And that closed minded, not mindedness, that shit just doesn't work. So what, and I often ask this almost like, and it's not this magic pill question, but what were some of the triggers for you that really set your mind on this path of, I'm not doing this anymore, I need to change and I need to look somewhere else? What kind of started you on this path of your evolution to where you are now? When you, when you asked me that about, you know, what made me change when you said, oh, it's like not like a magic pill. I think it's um a self-awareness thing. I think that um outside of being educated about other people, I think that if you're really more aware about yourself and what you're capable of, I think you just look at yourself different. I think it's a different form of love. So I remember someone telling me, you know, that I was lucky I didn't have parents because, you know, there were things I would do that they said a parent would never let you do. And I remember thinking, like, I didn't say it out loud, but I was thinking if I had parents, I'll be way better than you. You know, I'll be way better off than you, you know, but they weren't trying to offend me. They were just saying, you're so courageous. You try anything, you know, and it's not like I didn't have legal guardian. You know what I mean? I was like this with or without, you know, it's it's my point. So I think the self-awareness is what triggers it. I think the more self-aware you are and the more comfortable you are being honest with yourself, I think that's what can trigger a, a big change in somebody. But you can't really do that if you don't love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you're not going to really ask yourself those hard questions like, what do I need to do to get better? You're not really going to do it. If you if you half-ass loving yourself, then it's not really going to work. And it, and it got to be passionate love. I'm talking about love to where you found yourself almost. Or, and, and sometimes finding yourself, it just means like you realize that you're not where you want to be. Okay. That's, it's such a great answer because I think it's so important. I think, um, and this is just from my own experience, we often are looking to outside sources for validation or for love that we've misappropriated and given to other people, but didn't give to ourselves. And it's just not helpful. And I think you're right. Like once you get that level of self-love that then brings in your self-confidence and you're just like, okay, well, this is how we're going to yeah. change because I'm not going to deal with this anymore. Yeah, my homeboy, he cuts my my hair. And he, he told me when he when we were in high school, he visited my house all the time. He knew I didn't have parents. But now that we're older, he, he, he says he can say stuff like this. But he was like, I used to wonder why you went to school. He was like, if my mom 
wasn't around, I wouldn't, I would have never went to school. You know what I'm saying? But that was, that was just a self-awareness, like, nah, at a young age, like you still got to at least finish, you know, you don't want to go, but you still got to at least finish. So fortunately I was a little bit more mature than uh, my behavior showed. So surrealism art, I don't know what it is, but it just, it captivates me. So I would love for you to share, have you always been a surrealist type art, and now, and I don't want to pigeonhole you into this one type of art, but I get you, I get you. Yeah, but I mean, have you always been drawn to this style of art? Nah, nah, I haven't. In terms of art, I actually started painting when I was around like twenty-seven years old. But in terms of art, uh, the thing about art for me, art is is just expression. So when you when you try to pinpoint it it's tough because it's it's creativity and it's hard to like box it to one thing i haven't i haven't always been drawn to surrealist painting i've just been drawn to to painting in general I, my my the reason why i ever i even started painting was because i wanted to be a better artist so it's not like i was drawn to that one particular style it's the style i prefer to paint because it's the clearest way for me to express my messages whenever i have artistic uh endeavor i think about how i can express it so for example with the vincent van gogh play i could have made a painting but i didn't want to make a painting to honor van gogh i felt like the best way for me to express what i wanted to say about van gogh would have been through a stage play um there's there are movies i've written there are novels i've written there are poems i've written there are songs i've written there you know, the paintings just happen to be surreal because that's the best way I can express a, a message in a painting. So when I think about this, and I, I've never created a stage play, I'm not an artist. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm creative sometimes. But anyways, regardless, I like, it feels like such a massive undertaking. What <laughs> made you say, hey, let's I can't even imagine spend a lot of money and a hell of a lot of time creating this art that hopefully people will appreciate. That's innate. Like to ask me, how do I do something? You just do it. Like I don't have an answer. I don't even have a process. I literally put my, if I say I'm going to do something, I just do it. I don't. Did you just like Van Gogh and you're just like, let me do this. Okay. Well, if you mean by Van Gogh, no, it's not that I just like Van Gogh. There's a, Okay, it's two sides to that. So one, I think that I think that he's one of the best artists that has ever lived. I also think he is the most interesting artist that ever lived. And accompanied by that, I think the life of the artist is best personified through the story of Vincent Van Gogh. Artists struggle drastically in all fields, from dance to music to painting. Art, it's a known thing. Even the term starving artist comes from Van Gogh. The artists have a hard time connecting with society. They usually are very um, introverts in, term of, in terms of work, so they like to work alone. But they're extroverts because of the diversity of art. So one big thing about me is that I want to create content. I'm very careful about what I create. I don't want to create content. I know I'm an African-American male. But I want to create stuff that African that is not typical to our culture in terms of being gangster or being about drugs and violence and shit all the time. So I want to create content that is not only educational, but it's informative. So I see a need in understanding art appreciation in the world, whether or not other people see it. I see a need in it. So with me seeing that need, 
how can I create something that will make somebody say, oh, I learned something and oh, it was also entertaining or this is why art is important. If I ask you, if someone asks me, hey, why is art important? I have an answer. I think this is so important that you need to learn about this artist. <laughs> you go, I may have instilled or inspired somebody about Van Gogh that day that went to the museum the next week just because they came to the play. So it was more of a of a two-sided thing. Like there's a need for this. And also, this is the type of content that I want to create. I want to create something that you learn from, not just something that you just watch and they shooting guns and selling drugs and shit. I feel like that's an important piece to art, too, is open-mindedness. You have mm-hmm. to be open to looking and receiving a message. Otherwise, it's not going to be meaningful. So as, as the creator, obviously, there's meaning for you. When you're when you are doing the creating, is that completely your expression, or is the thought process working it behind the scenes, saying how is this going to be interpreted? Uh, I'm usually in the zone. So while I'm creating, I'm not really thinking, or while I'm working on the creation, I'm not really thinking. The process is usually before. All all of the process is usually me deciding to doing doing it and then creating how I'm going to start. So if it's a painting, for example. The process may be, let me read more about this subject. Let me listen to an audiobook. Let me write more about this subject. Now let me draw a few sketch- sketches. Oh, this is my idea. Now I've made this idea better. Now let me go do the painting. Now that I'm doing the painting, I'm in the zone. It's no, what will this person think? What would that? Same thing with a play. Let me get on my producer side. Write this out. Say what this looks like to me. That way when it's time to perform, I get to go. So it's a it's a it's an in the zone thing to answer your question. I'm once I've created it and it's time to go, I'm in the zone. Okay. So there's so I get but that does answer the question because I actually never considered that there's pre-work involved. I mean, of course, with a play, there would be pre-work yeah. involved. But other other art forms they don't necessarily I never thought about it that way. Um yeah. what would you say your best advice for or not your best advice, that's a tall order. What what advice would you give people when they're exploring art? that might be helpful for them to accept it more fully? Um, I would say to visit the museum. It doesn't matter what museum it is. And read, if available, read the, the booklet or the story behind the art and do that as much as you can. The reason why I would say that is because artists and art curators have created a society that has led them like has made it to where nobody can really lie about why they created some work so you start to find out that you may look at something on the surface and be like oh i like the colors um or oh i like the way this is formulated and then when you actually read it what it's about it might be about tra- child trafficking or something you know what i mean but you didn't even read it and it, and it, good or bad though so i would say if you're looking to explore art as visual as it is Every artist ha- writes about their art. So just read that stuff so you can actually know why, when, where this was made and from what context. But one of my, before I even move forward, it's probably my favorite, my, my favorite painting is a Picasso painting called Guernica. The painting is, is beautiful, like chef's kiss, ser- seriously. It, it drew me in, but when I actually looked into the painting and, and, and saw what it was, it was like dead animals and people like they were like dead right 
But the painting drew me in. And this is uh, owed to Picasso because he's such a great artist. He knew how to technically draw people in with composition, with, with no color. The painting has no color. So, which is also interesting what I'm about to say. So, saying that, right, when I read about Guernica, this is why he painted it. German soldiers during World War II were testing their air force. They tested their bombs in a small town called Guernica, and they just demolished everything. Innocent people lost their lives just from them testing bombs. They, they killed animals, farmland, everything. And that's a great example of like exploring art and trying to figure out, you know, what you actually like, because it drew it drew something to me for a reason. You know what I mean? Wow. OK, now I'm definitely looking up that painting and I really appreciate that answer because I do. It's it's something that I fully believe. And it goes back to what we my first question that I ask every guest is what is your backstory? Because even though that's not where you are today, right, you don't live there anymore. That mm. that did take us on this journey, and it allows us to appreciate your today more fully, again, right, as a whole right, person. Right. And so I love that you shared that because I think it's so relevant to – because here's the other thing. When we listen to – it's I'm getting – I'm diverging a little bit. But when no, we listen – No, you're good. I'm formulating uh, <laughs> something in my head, so I'm going to let you continue. Go ahead. When we listen to music, we interpret it in in whatever's going through our head through our perspective whatever's happening in our life but then if we really went back to the artist to appreciate their work <laughs> yeah maybe it's maybe they were talking about something different oh okay yeah. this is giving me i love this new perspective okay go ahead yeah yeah so what i was going to say is that is you're right because most of my favorite stuff has to do with either diversity or caring for another person because my favorite photographer is Gordon Parks. And the reason why he's my favorite photographer is because I read a book of his when I was younger called The Learning Tree. And that book was about ending racism. Like, you know what I mean? So it's crazy how my favorite painting is about, you know, innocent people and love, like people coming together basically. And um, my favorite book is about that. So that's, that is true. Like, you know, your past does have a hold on you. So talk to us about these, these plays because you have a new one. Well, you just, did you just have one that came out in December? And then you've yeah, got another one upcoming. Yeah, we just did the Vincent upcoming. Van Gogh play, and I'm working on some more. I'm working on um, the next one is um, in Houston, Texas, November 1st. It's called Adam's Apple. Okay. It's about the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, it's a spiritual comedy, um, satirical riff on the story of Adam and Eve about how their descendants of Adam and Eve still are still alive today, and the devil is still trying to get them. And um, it's actually a metaphor for good and bad. But um, when I say good and bad, uh, I'm not talking about uh, like yin yang. I'm talking about just literally emotion, like uh, anger versus happiness. Like that's what I mean, you know. So um, yeah, it's about Adam and Eve. the The entire narration rhymes, so it's very poetic and it's funny as shit. I can't wait to do it. I can't wait for people to see it. We're going to film it that way. When we're done with it, we can actually put it on some streaming services so people can actually watch it. I'm also writing um, a Medusa play right now, too, in, in my head. I write it in my head first, and then I put it on the on the paper. 
and it stays in your head while you're writing it? Definitely. It's so, it's like a, that's how I write everything. I write it in my head first. And then when I get to the computer, I start writing hella fast because it's like I already know the story. So I just be typing away. Okay. All right. So this is how you're, you have a creative mind. So that dev- <laughs> so it works a little different. So I remember I told my homeboy that he was like, how? <laughs> and then he saw me writing. He was like, I could tell you already knew what you were going to say. He was like, why are you writing so fast? Well, okay. This is again, a little divergent, but this makes me think of something that came up a few months ago where everyone was talking about when I tell you to think of an apple, do you actually see an apple in your head? I saw that experiment on TikTok. I was like, what the fuck is this? Do, this shit is stupid. Well, do, well, <laughs> I, 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 of course I see an apple, but then I thought about it like everybody don't think like me. So you, so yeah, you, you can physically see, not physically, but you can see the image of an apple in your brain. Yeah. A realistic, juicy, wet apple, sweating, all of that. Serious. I, I can't. I have no, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, but you know, what's interesting a, is I say yeah. that I'm a, I, I tell people that I'm a visual person. I'm a visual learner. But yeah. isn't that so interesting? Because I don't yeah, see it, it is, in my head. Because some people see an outline. Some people, and they say if you keep telling them over and over again, eventually they'll see it. But if you switch the subject, then they'll see something else. But I think that's just brain frequencies. Because of course you don't, you might not see that. I draw every day. You know what I mean? So of course I may see it differently. Yeah. Like I draw every single day. I draw something. <laughs> like I draw, even if I don't have a tattoo appointment, I. I draw on my own just to, it's, it don't matter if it's a little bitty sketch, just to keep training myself. Like, okay. It's just a habit. So I want to go back to Adam Eni, or Adam's Apple. Adam's Apple, that's the name of it, Adam's Apple. So. It's because this time in, in the biblical story, Eve wants to bite the apple, wants to, you know, and this time the devil's like, I want to get Adam to bite it. So that's why it's called Adam's Apple. Oh, okay. So it, so let me ask you this. For anyone who is religious, are they going to be upset with this or is this is and, and I don't let's see. I understand what you're saying. Go I'm ahead. not trying to pin anger on you. I'm not religious, so I wouldn't I wouldn't have a specific offense to it. But do you think yeah. that it's for everybody or do you think certain people might be upset by it's it? For, it's for everybody. If somebody's upset, I'll say this. If somebody's upset that I wrote something called Adam's Apple, they'll be upset that I'm not religious. Okay. But the story is religious. If okay. that makes sense. So their comment may be, how can he write this if he's not a Christian? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's very, it's very pro-religion. You know what I mean? So okay. it's allegory. You know, um, yeah. allegory is, uh, is I'm very, how can I, how can I put this? Um, I'm, I'm very good at taking something at its core and explaining it to a five-year-old you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah so the allegory of greek mythology when i look at the story of medusa i can literally say blah 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 this is the story you know mm-hmm. i can look at um the i can not be muslim and look at the story of muhammad and say this is why this is so interesting you know what mm-hmm. i mean and so on and so on i can look at the story of van gogh and say this is why this relates to everybody not just dutch white people or people yeah. from you know i can look at that and say this is how this can, this is how this relates so i'm like i don't have to be religious to to um write adam adam's apple because it's a very spiritual story 
I don't think you have to be either. And so I'm, I'm really invested in what you're doing and you're pissing people off. And that's because I think you're doing yeah. the right thing because we are like, this is, this is one of the goals, right? Break the bias. Stop siloing ourselves and saying, well, yeah, you can exactly. only do this if you're this or blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Like, I don't, what's the point in that? And additionally, you, from an outside perspective, as someone that's not religious, you have a fresh view on it. You have a different perspective. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. An unbiased view. view. <laughs> right. An unbiased view. Well, an unbiased view because you haven't accepted, you know, whatever the teachings are and yeah, hold yeah, those yeah. as truth. So, yeah, I get what you mean. They can say that that's blasphemous, but it's like, I read the Bible, you didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like... <laughs> That would be my response to most. All right. So what's, well, actually, you know what? I want to ask you about the day. What is this day? Houston, Houston's a big city and you have yeah. a day after you? Yeah, I got my own day. Um, I'm, um, I guess uh, in terms of art, I'm appreciated for it. Okay. Know? Because it's not, it's not often that somebody is, is on the news for selling dope and then <laughs> two years later. Five years later, they're on the news from inmate to entrepreneur, <laughs> you know? So I guess that's what it is. I guess it's just okay. an appreciation thing. Because it was genuine. It wasn't um, It wasn't like, a, how can I word that? It's not like I just was like, please give me my own day. You know right. what I mean? It was like, you know, you're actually a changed man. <laughs> like, this is something that should be appreciated. Yeah. So that's how that that's how that went. Okay. And it's did you say it was January? For some reason I thought I saw April. It's April sixth. Okay. It's April sixth. It's my birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So all right. April sixth is Kevo Day. Although is did they say Kevo? Or do you go by your yeah, real they name? Say Kevo. Okay. They say Kevo Day. Yeah, okay. It says Kevo Day. Excellent. And it's Houston, which is a big city, so that's cool. What's the fourth largest city? So to have a name mm. a day named after you, that's pretty cool. Um yeah, I didn't even think of it like that. That is crazy. It's different when you're here, though. I'm sure it it always is, right? And you grew up there, yeah. so it's different Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's kind of home yeah. base. What else are you working on? It's big, though. <laughs> yeah, um, and, it, and it's, 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 you yeah, know, it's kind of a big huge, deal. <laughs> yeah, Houston is huge, yeah. Well, I'm working on, um, like I said, in my head, I have a, a Medusa play I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I also uh, did a, I wrote a Santa Claus play that I might do around Christmas. Um, and other than that, I'm screening the last two plays I did, one is called What Do We Do Now? And another is, the other one is Vincent. I'm going to screen those either on Kevo Day or around that time. Um, so that's in the works as well. Okay. And so, and that'll be in Houston, of course, right? Yeah. Okay. But we're going to release both of them to, to streaming. So it'll be available for everybody to see eventually. Tell us about that one. What do we do now? I remember seeing a little piece of it and I was interested. What Do We Do Now is a story about African-American culture. I took a family and I put them in the 1960s, but I gave them Black issues from the 1940s to the 2000s. So it, it was a timeline of Black historical issues with a title as a question for African-Americans to think like, dang, we still been going through the same stuff. What are we going to do about it? My character base was... My characters are based on issues, not people. So the son, for example, he goes through mental issues of confusion about what is he going to do in life? You know, he's a follower. He doesn't know if he's going to be a leader. He doesn't know if he want to be in school, if he want to be in the streets. Um, but since he lives in the hood, he tries to do hood things, which is very typical for a lot of black males. 
the daughter has to deal with uh, being appropriated sexually. Um, she has threats of sex trafficking and, you know, she's almost too intelligent for her household. So she can't really relate. And she also doesn't want to leave home. And she deals with those type of issues that black people deal with. The mother deals with poverty struck issues that we dealt with. And the father, um, which is the, the substance of the play, deals with loss um, in reference to like a vicarious situation, like a Malcolm X dying or Martin Luther King dying or George, like just diff different things that have happened to African-Americans. So along this timeline, you see how we've done, been through stuff and you see our resilience and then the play ends with like, you know, what are we actually going to do about it? So that's what What Do We Do Now is about. And it may be a combination, but when I'm thinking about when you're, when you put out your art, would you say that your main goal is to provoke thought or to share a lesson or is it really a, a nice combination of both? I've, yeah, it's a, it's a combination. I found, like I said, I've, I've realized that that's my cup of tea. So yeah. if that's what I like. That's what I do. You know, my, my main thing about art is like being informative, but also being as diverse as possible. Like mm -hmm. I, I've realized that, like, that's why I said it when we were talking earlier. Like, my favorite thing is always something super people heavy about yeah. loving some type of people um, or very informative or and extremely diverse. So I think uh, in terms of goals, definitely infotainment. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, before we get to the final three um, questions, is there anything that you want to share or express that I haven't asked you about or that we haven't talked about yet? No, I think this has been a solid, a really good interview. I'm, I can't wait to get to the three questions. Okay. <laughs> this has been good. It's, been, okay. it's, it's flowed well. So the first one is because the show is Breaking Bias, I asked the guest, what is a bias that you have and how do you navigate it? Like, how do you challenge yourself? to break it down well there's a there's a, a cultural reference um <laughs> to black men as statistics and i break that uh bias daily um by continuing to be the best artist that i can be I have a a personal bias to all of the the arts and stuff like that but i don't i don't think that um I don't think about myself in the way that we're perceived gen generally. I only think of myself as the bias I see in art, which is as a great artist. <laughs> okay. Actually, I'm really, I really appreciate that you brought that up because I think it's important that we highlight a lot of times bias is always associated with the negative, but this is not, you're not talking about a negative bias. Yeah, it's a, it yeah, doesn't it's need positive. to be broken. No, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's, it's, exactly. you have a bias towards something you love and you acknowledge it. And that's not something that has to be broken. So mm -hmm. I like it. In this current phase of Kevo, um, your, what are five words that you would say you connect with or maybe describe you in some way? In this current phase, five words would be leader, father, artist, family, educator, and goat. <laughs> <laughs> maybe goat can just like surround in a bubble <laughs> all of the things. <laughs> all right. And See, family, uh, family is probably like, that's the, that's, 
that's a tough one right there because it's like that can mean so much, you know. Like I feel like all the other words I said were like they were what they were, but family is is crazy because that can mean it can mean so much. It can. It's, that's a tough one. That's it, really tough. Well, I think it does. It does mean so much though, because and it's di- and the cool thing is is it's different to everybody because you can have chosen yeah. family and you can have blood family. Yeah, and they can and then have your relationship, and then your, yep. you. I'm also an uncle. You know what I mean. Yep. I'm also a cousin. I'm also a brother to many. You know what I mean. Yeah. So. That's a tough one. I think family is a powerful word. I think it's it's an acknowledgement that you are all those things. Yeah. All right. And then most importantly, where can people go to find your art? Now, of course, some people are going to be in Houston. Great. They should check you out and go to your shows if they can. But for all the other people, where can we go to experience it, to purchase it? I know you have some art for purchase online. Yeah. My website is artbykevo.com. A-R-T b-y-k-e-v-o um and my main instagram is kevo arts so kevo and arts with an s well listen i want to thank you so much i really appreciate you coming on and being open and having this conversation i also very much appreciate your art and you gave me a new perspective to view it from mm-hmm. and so thank you I, I really i really liked that you're welcome and thank you as well Thank you for joining Kevo and I today for another episode of the Breaking Bias podcast. I hope this episode helped you see a new perspective. I believe through conversations just like this, we can all set fire to our ignorance and rise from those ashes together as better humans. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed on today's episode, they're our own. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions. Please do check the show notes for ways on connecting with Kevo. His website and his social media are going to be linked. I would definitely recommend everyone head over there. He's got some really incredible pieces. If you did enjoy this episode, uh, I would very much appreciate a rating and review for the podcast. You can find everything you need to know about the podcast at breakingbiaspodcast.com. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening now so you never miss an episode. Help us expand the dialogue by sharing this show with others. And until next time, don't forget to check your bias and keep the conversations going. Mm-hmm.